0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie,
1: and Marcus.
0: And on today's episode, we have Player Profiles, everyone's favorite. So today, Marcus, who are the two players that we are going to be talking about?
1: We are going to be talking about the Italian hammer, Matteo Berrettini, dude's got an absolute hammer of a forehand, and... Andre Rublev, who also, I mean, we're talking about two guys here today, Frank, who just hit the absolute living daylights out of a tennis ball.
0: I was about to say, we might be dealing with two of the best forehands on the ATP Tour today, now that I just think about that. It's pretty great. I really, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think Matteo Berrettini is a fantastic player. Uh, he's one of my favorite players on the Tour, uh, not just because he's Italian, but definitely because, because he's, he's Italian. The... No, I, I, I think he's one of the most entertaining players on the Tour. He's also and he's every yeah. Well, that doesn't hurt. Uh, also, he's every woman's favorite tennis player for reasons that are quite obvious if you Google him and look at images. So, shout
1: out to my that's... shout out to my mother, Astrid.
0: <laughs> Indeed, shout out to Astrid and Leah as well, and Kristen. To be honest, so
1: They're full all gamut. Hurt. Yep. Yeah,
0: all of them, all of them, all of them. There's a reason he's the face of Hugo Boss.
1: Gotta I mean, love it. Gotta yeah, love it. I mean once he once he switched over from Lotto to Hugo Boss, it was just over. We was just over. Like every other guy had no shot.
0: Yeah, we have no chance. But that's all right. You know what? We all can't be six foot five, beautiful, play professional tennis, and be sponsored by Hugo Boss. So that's fine. That's fine, Matteo. Take it all. Take it all. All right, Matteo Berrettini. Uh, let's start with him. He is six foot five. He is from Rome, Italy. He is 26 years old, born in 1996. Uh, He will be turning 27 next year. So he is a true 26-year-old. He just turned 26. He got to a Wimbledon final last year, which was a major breakthrough not only for him, but for Italian tennis. He was the first italian man to reach an atp uh, to reach a major final excuse me since panetta i believe in like 1976 something like that so he's really been a trailblazer for his country which i always like to highlight and think is a big deal i think that says something about a player when they're able to do stuff like that without like a real pure tennis history um so Matteo was never like super in the spotlight like he wasn't like some 18 year old wonder kid like Carlos Alcaraz like he made his breakthrough around like 22 23 years old started winning challenger events uh, ATP events and what I think is really interesting about Matteo Berrettini is that he actually has a lot of really solid results at majors uh, despite his play style you would think that this is a guy that would only succeed on fast surfaces, stuff like that. But he's a really fantastic dirt baller and has like pretty pretty great results across the board. So uh, he last year was one of the only players, I think one of only like two or three that made it to the fourth round or better of every single major in 2021, which is a phenomenal achievement. Furthermore, he now has gotten to the semifinals of Australia of the Australian Open, which he did in January. He got to the quarterfinals of Roland Garros last year. This year, he had to pull out; he's he was injured. He got to the finals of Wimbledon, obviously last year, as we just spoke, and he got to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. So, really strong results all across the board there. Uh, so, Marcus, why don't you give us a little bit of a brief overview of how Mateo plays? What are his strengths, and what are some weaknesses that he has?
1: Yeah, and I and I don't mean to correct you. Well, I do mean to correct you here, Frank. Um, actually, because we I was just thinking about like when his breakout tournament was for slams. It was actually the semifinals of the U S open in 2019. That's the first time he really broke out. Do you remember that?
0: Oh yeah. 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 I was just giving the, Oh, excuse me. Yes. His best result at the U S open was that semifinals. I was just giving the breakdown of, um, of last year of Before last year got to got fourth round quarterfinal and quarter and uh quarters but yes in 2019 he reached the semifinals of the US Open which was considered his breakout you're absolutely correct
1: right yeah and that's what i always think about when i think about mateo because he you know even the year prior i remember this is kind of a funny story about mateo when i was working at the at the player operations desk at the US Open um i think this was in 2017 actually for some reason there was like a a racket just laying around the desk and usually players never ever forget their rackets and i remember there was this big head um extreme racket with like the s logo in it and i was like "Did did that big italian dude just leave his racket after he lost his match he just like completely forgot his racket at the desk we managed to track down who it was so he was probably still a little bit young and uh not really on top of his stuff, but like I mean, two years later, Frank, when I saw him come out twenty nineteen US Open, make that run to the semifinals, you just knew that this guy was gonna get like really good, really big player. Um, absolutely can crank his forehand and his serve. Um, he's got clear liabilities. Uh that would be his backhand. Um he's got a decent slice, but his his backhand drive, not really so, you know, top pro tour heavy and his movement is also going to be a liability. He's a very big, naturally just a big guy. He's about six foot five. He's got to be at, at least one hundred ninety, almost two hundred pounds. He's a pretty big boy. Uh, oh yeah,
0: no, he's not. He's not like Medvedev, for example, where it's like that guy is just rail thin with no mass on him. Matteo has mass. That's why his serve is as hard as it is. He's got really, you know, he's he's a pretty muscular big guy.
1: For sure, yeah, he's thick. He does skip leg day, though. I will say that he definitely skips leg day. He same. needs to get on the squats. Yeah, same. I guess it runs with the Italians, anyways. Um, so yeah, Berrettini. I'm really excited about what the future kind of holds for him. He's also what also is nice to see about him, Frank, is that although he doesn't have the best clay game, he's not completely irrelevant on clay. Um, not like a Medvedev who we've seen in the past few years who's been kind of irrelevant i think that he's a great all-court player and uh, as we've seen super dangerous on the grass court just due to his big serve he's able to use that backhand slice really well and if you have that big of a forehand you can generally just use that on any surface so i really love watching mateo play he's a fan favorite obviously a ladies favorite um and he's just a really really good genuine guy too i remember he used to hang out around the player operations desk and kind of around there and everyone seemed to get along with him really well. No one really, you know, you can always kind of tell who's not really liked there. He always seemed like a really good guy.
0: Yeah, everyone that I've spoken with that has interacted with Mateo at all has said he is a wonderful human being and really enjoyed being around him. And that very much ties out to what his persona comes off as. So I wouldn't be too surprised there. I think I agree with you. I think Mateo, what's so interesting about him, like I mentioned, is that He is an all-court player, despite his play style generally being considered only for fast courts. Like He's gotten to a Masters 1000 clay final, which is really impressive. He's consistently getting to the quarterfinals plus of high-level clay court events. And he does a really good job of hiding his weakness, probably a lot better than most other players, like the person we're going to talk about next, Andre Rublev who I think doesn't do as well of a job of, of, of neutralizing his weakness, which is that backhand. Um, I think that Mateo is a really fascinating player because he is someone who I think actually will win a major, um, if not multiple majors, in my opinion. And I think that if he really takes the time to focus on grass, which it seems like he is, quite honestly, I absolutely view him as a guy who could win multiple Wimbledons uh, in his career. I, I 100% believe that, and I could totally see him snaking like a U.S. Open or something like that one year, um, if an easy draw comes out and he's asked to upset only like one player, something like that. Could 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 definitely see that happening. Those are
1: pretty actually high goals for him, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a slam winner too. Um, I think he will get maybe. I think he'll definitely get one, maybe two Wimbledon's. I don't know if I would. Th- th- I would consider him a threat. At every slam, maybe besides Roland Garros, he's got less of a shot there. But Australia and the U.S. Open, he's he's definitely he's definitely a threat. Um, and at Wimbledon, I think he can be one of the one of the favorites moving forward. The only kind of it's not really an issue is that if you focusing on the grass season is not really. I don't even know if that's a thing, Frank. Just because there's no real grass season, it's like two tournaments, then Wimbledon, and then you're done. Um, and I and I think for him to be kind of, I guess to like a, a a real perennial type of contender, he's got to be able to do a little bit more than just the grass season. I'm not taking away anything if he wins Wimbledon because that's an amazing feat. And I think I, I think he will absolutely win at least one, potentially two. Um, and he's definitely a threat on the other on you know on the other surfaces as well. I mean, we've seen him get the semifinals of Australia and the U.S. Open, so it's not like he can't get there but whether or not he can take it up to the next step that's going to be tough
0: consistently too we've seen him get to multiple slam quarterfinals semifinals. he definitely is one of these guys that plays up to the big moment which is something that as we've seen with like a felix alger aliassime for example in atp tour finals just doesn't isn't necessarily a given right so that's why I think generally I agree with the Wimbledon assessment. I would say 2 to 3. I wouldn't say 1 to 2. I would go 2 to 3, but we're in the same range there for sure. And I don't necessarily think that he will win a US Open or an Australian. I would say that's a reach, but could it could I would I be surprised if it happened? No, because he's he's been a perpetual contender there. So why not?
1: Another thing to, to look out for with him, Frank, is um and another thing to look out with him is injuries it's a little bit concerning yeah. that over the past year or two he's been injured quite a bit um and it seems like they kind of keep reoccurring and that's and he's also a big guy and we've seen a lot of injuries derail big guys career you know like Juan Martin Del potro unfortunately had injuries kind of derail his career really hoping that he can kind of stay healthy um so that he can actually you know have a like a really successful consistent career
0: yeah i I think the injury is totally fair. I, I, think, I think it's really hard to predict injuries, but certainly with his size, everything, that's totally fair. I'm also curious with these player predictions because of Zverev's injury, right? Is that something that you're factoring in now when you're projecting out somebody like Matteo Berrettini that if Zverev comes back and he's a shell of himself, which is a very real possibility, by the way, with the injury that he has sustained, do you believe that, it opens up the door just a little bit more for guys like Matteo Berrettini, even Andre Rublev, Stefanos Tsitsipas to really. It's it's just one more guy that they don't have to beat, really. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, yes and no. Let me twofold thing here. One, with with Sverev, I actually think that his in, that he'll be fine recovering from his injury. Um, I think that if it were a knee or like a wrist, kind of like Dominic Team, where it's like you really. That's going to be affecting you a lot. I think ankle kind of heals up a little bit better, but that's for a whole separate topic. But I, I think you'll be fine. But two is that you still got to deal with Alcaraz, Medvedev on at least two or three slams as a contender. Um, you got to deal with the Sitsy Pass. So in the, at the end of the day, even if Tsverev is not in the, let's just say Tsverev or someone like that's not in the picture. You're still gonna have to usually always beat two out of those guys to win a slam, and that's that's a tall, tall order. Except for the grass, because I think he's a better on grass than most of those guys. But that's going to be a really tall order.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally I think that if in a future without Novak and Nadal, Matteo Berrettini is the best grass court player in the world by like a pretty decent margin as of right now. Unless these guys magically get better on the grass, the last thing that I'll say about Mateo before we move on to Andre Rublev, is that Mateo was injured for a number of months this year in 2022. The guy comes back at the Stuttgart Open and wins the tournament, which I think is so impressive. And Marcus, probably you can you know talk about this too, but like the fact that this guy didn't play any tour matches for months and then comes back and wins the tournament. I find to be tremendously impressive. And not only that, he looked a little shaky in his first round match. And then you just saw him progressively really getting gain confidence and build up. And by the end of the tournament, you were like, okay, this guy's back.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, he has there's something going on with him in the grass courts. I mean, he just really knows how to play on it, move on it really well. He seems very comfortable. Um and he, he seemed like he gained his rhythm super quick after that. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited to see how what he can do at Wimbledon this year. Do I think he'll win it this year? Probably not. I, I would put my money on Djokovic for this one um, just because I would like to have Mateo kind of have more of like a full season behind him and, and stay a little bit more healthy. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's he's got good prospects moving forward. Um, Frank, our next guy, Andre Rublev from Russia. Absolutely hammers the ball. If you haven't seen this guy live and you're going to a tennis tournament near you soon, go watch him. I remember, Frank, I was with my buddy uh, Doug Mo. you know Doug, and we watched Rublev when he was like, I think he was 19 or something. And w- the, we, we just couldn't believe we were watching because he was squatting down almost a full squat and he was hitting the ball so freaking hard that you could hear it like halfway across the USTA. It was unbelievable how hard this guy hits the ball and he's transitioned that really nicely into becoming a nice top, like a regularly consistent top 10 player.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that assessment too. I think Rublev is a really, also a really interesting player. Obviously the forehand, I think one of the best on tour, I think there was a brief period of time where I thought it was the best on tour, but it's, there are other contenders, very different than somebody like Mateos. Mateos is like all topspin and whip, and it's a it's the it's a beast, right? It's the highest topspin forehand on tour. Mateo Berrettini, Rublev's is a little bit more flat and power oriented, so he can really hit through the ball, which is why I think he actually is another player that could probably find some success on grass if he really focused on it, even just a little bit. The one difference with Mateo to Andre Rublev, well, the two key differences, right? And this is what I think makes Matteo a better player, truthfully, is on the backhand. Yes, Andre Rublevs is consistent in terms of like he can get the ball back, but it's not offensive at all. And he doesn't possess a slice to really reset the point. Matteo Berrettini has one of the better slices on tour, and that's why he is really, really successful on grass. And I think he has that ability to reset the point and hide his weakness a little bit better. In my opinion, the second thing, and this is something you're going to talk about, is the second serve. Mateo obviously has one of the best, if not the best serve on tour of like the top tier guys Whereas Andre Rublev has a pretty good first serve. It's not bad at all, but his second serve, very similar to that of Alexander Zverev, really struggles and lacks in comparison to it and is a major vulnerability for him.
1: Yeah, Rublev, I think, is like maybe five foot eleven, like six feet max, I would say. Like, like maybe with like
0: his listed height is six two for what it's worth. Oh,
1: God, no, that's so not true. That's so not true. That's a, that's a blatant lie.
0: That's like Alcaraz being listed at like six, one and a half or something like that. Right. Ke- no Kevin chance. Durant,
1: six foot, Kevin Durant, six foot nine. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, please stop. Um, he is not six foot two, people. He's six foot max in shoes. Um, and his seconds, he can kind of crank his first serve, but his second serve is very weak for a top 10 player. Um, and if you haven't noticed, guys who have weak second serves, tend to get broken a little bit more often. They're a little bit more liable. They're kind of put on the defense right away. Um, This is what's been, as you mentioned, Alex Ferov's prime candidate for a weak second server. So he hasn't been able to break through and win a slam. Um, Rublev, kind of the same deal. If you notice, most of the time guys who do end up winning Grand Slam tournaments have very good second serves just because they don't get broken often. Because even if they miss the first one, they know that they can put their opponent in a neutral position uh, and not in an attacking position right off the bat for these points. That's something that you and I have been talking about a while with Rublev, and that's kind of been pulling him back from you know being a, a slam contender. Um, I mean, that's really it, because off the ground, this guy can match up with anybody. There's no doubt. Off of both wings, by the way. Another thing I would like to see from Rublev, and I, I would like to get your thoughts on this, Frank, is I would like to see a little bit more variety from him, because I think that sometimes he plays too similar of a same style, where he just kind of cranks, cranks, cranks. But the opponents, especially the higher level, you know, top five guys are able to kind of beat him with variety and make him kind of play outside of his comfort zone. And I really wish that he would kind of make other players, you know, get outside of their comfort zone with a little bit more variety.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that's spot on. And the variety thing I think shows with his ability with his lack of of progression through grand slams, right? He's never been able to make it past the quarterfinals of any of these grand slams. AKA when he runs into a player that like is of an equal caliber or better caliber than he is. That's when he has problems. And I think that's exactly that's directly related to what you're saying. He doesn't have necessarily that variety Rublev doesn't really have a ton of ways that he's going to win points. It's really just kind of one one way. He's going to just hit through you. But if he can't hit through you or he's missing a lot of balls, he's being too hyper-aggressive, he's kind of screwed. He's dead in the water. That's it. And I think the perfect example of that would be his match against Marin Cilic in the quarterfinals of Roland Garros this year where Cilic was, A, hitting the lights out of the ball, number one. And number two, Rublev just started to miss. And Marin was not missing. and when that starts to, and Marin also has a fantastic serve right so he's getting a ton of free points and i think that that really is where rublev starts to break down and and, and can have some trouble uh, another interesting thing about rublev is that almost all of the guys on the tour say that he is the hardest worker hardest like practicer of anyone out there like this guy spends like ridiculous amounts of time on the practice court just like hitting ball after ball after ball so if there is anyone who i think can improve their game and and really bounce back you know, it is Andre Rublev. The other positive thing that I will say about him, especially in comparison again to somebody like FAA is Rublev knows how to win a tournament. Rublev won five ATP tournaments. I don't care what level they are in one year, which is fantastic results for him. So Rublev knows how to win tournaments. He knows how to close people out. That's not a problem for him. I just think that when he comes up against somebody who is significantly better than him or on an equal equal playing field to him, uh, he's going to have a lot of trouble. That's also shown by uh, his results in ATP Masters 1000s when he has reached the finals once on hard court and once on clay court uh, to Stefano Tsitsipas in 2021 on clay at Monte Carlo. He lost three and three. And then at Cincinnati against Alexander Zverev, who... Again, like that should be a match where, like, I would, you know, I wouldn't rule out Rublev winning a set there. He lost two and three to Zverev. I think the ceiling for somebody like Rublev is very clearly is more defined than for somebody like Mateo. I think that Mateo has a lot higher of a ceiling than someone like Rublev, in my opinion. Like Rublev, for me, is not a guy who's gonna win a major. I don't, I don't think. I think, I think his best case scenario is probably getting to the final of one, but even that I think is kind of a stretch. I just think there's a lot of players who I would pick above him personally.
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. I mean, for all those reasons that you just gave, that's kind of why he's also a little bit inconsistent. I remember was it last year where he like, he played a really good first half of the year. And then the second half of the year, he just disappeared. He went on like, yeah, he went on a terrible losing streak. He was losing everything. And now he's kind of come back into the fold, but a little bit more consistency from him would be nice. Um, Considering how talented he is, but yeah, I don't really see him as a, a slam winner. Uh, I could totally see him making a final, and if, I guess if things could, you know, something weird happens, he could win one. But kind of like a Marin Cilic actually situation, where Cilic won the U.S. Open back in uh, uh, what was it, 2014? You know, maybe we could have a, we could have a situation like that. But that also that's that's very rare. And considering how strong. Um, Alcaraz is coming on and stuff. Yeah, I don't really see that happening. But
0: um... I don't even think it's the Alcaraz thing, right? I think it's more of the fact that I actually dis—I actually completely think the opposite, right? I think that the fact that tennis is not going to have three players who are going to win every single major for the next twenty years very clearly, like around, right? Uh, I think the fact that that is not the case right now, and and we're very much going to be in an era where you know there's like five to six guys who could win a slam. That's Rublev's problem because Rublev is not going to like just have to hope for, you know, one or two guys to be upset. And then all of a sudden you can have a clear run at a major. He has to hope for like five to six guys to get upset, which just doesn't happen. Right. It, it just statistically won't happen. That's where I think Rublev's biggest problem is going to happen. You know, but do I think that he's a guy that's going to perennially be in the ATP tour, ATP World Tour Finals? be a top eight player very consistently, like have a good ranking, really nice tennis career, hundred percent. I think he's a guy that's, that's gonna have a very nice career. He's going to be top 10 for a very long time, just because like I said, he can really win a lot of lower level tournaments against players that are not as good as he is
1: for sure. Yeah. And he's super entertaining. So that's always a big plus. Um, you know, always nice to see guys like him play, uh, so, yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us on our, another episode of our Player Profiles. Um, if you want to be on the podcast, if you want, if you got any podcast ideas, if you want to come on, talk about your favorite player on the tour, men's or women's, we are more than happy to have you. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram, BreakpointPodcast7. Uh, you can email us at BreakpointPodcast7 at gmail.com. We know you won't, but we would love to see it. Um, first one who actually does email us gets a free tennis lesson from Frank and I, so we'll be waiting your emails. Um, and, uh, that's, that's all I got for you, Frank. Uh, any last words before sign off?
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. We've noticed some good activity and, and we, we definitely, um, you know, appreciate it and see all of it. Like Marcus mentioned, please, if you want to be on the podcast, if there's any topic that you're interested in, you want to talk about, let us know. We'd love to have you on. Uh, I think we're definitely uh, looking for more guests and co-hosts and, and stuff like that. I think it's very fun for us and it adds some variety, especially because there's going to be a little bit of a lull after Wimbledon uh, before the U.S. Open series uh, begins. So uh, thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time. and. Uh, We'll catch you later.
1: See you.